0: Welcome to Regeneration Studio. I'm Katarina and this is another narrative journey where business and art intersect and transform individuals and communities. New Year's resolutions are a waste of time. This is why. There is no ideal time to start living healthier. There is no ideal time to adopt a better routine or to strive for more balance. Because there is no ideal moment to invest in your future. We should be doing this every moment of our lives. To give up one damaging habit will take you at least two weeks to get used to. So, why wait until the end of the year or for a disaster or for some other kind of bad news to give it up? The time is now, and what better way to start than to reevaluate your most important meal of the day breakfast. And breakfast doesn't mean having an indulgent meal at 7am in the morning. God knows, coffee is about all that crosses my lips at that time of day. It simply means the first meal of your day. Joining me in my virtual studio is Jodie McGregor. She has been named one of the most promising young entrepreneurs of 2020 in the Northeast. Her business idea? To simplify the whole process of having a nutritious, delicious breakfast by creating a personalised breakfast cereal subscription service. As a personal trainer and nutritionist, she ensures that each of her granolas or porridges has the perfect combination of nutrients that, in fact, it can replace any meal of the day. But as with all journeys, hers starts very differently, and we're going to find out how some interesting realisations during her time on the British horse riding team and also working as a personal trainer in London, eventually led to My Breakfast Box.
1: Okay, let's go and join Jodie. Welcome to the show, Jodie. Hello, thank you for having me.
0: To give our listeners an idea of who you are, imagine there is a film soon to be released called My Breakfast Box. (laughs) Can you briefly introduce yourself
1: in the style of a film trailer? Yeah, sure. Um, Hi, I'm Jodie McGregor, the director of My Breakfast Box. My Breakfast Box launched in March last year on a mission to revive the breakfast cereal game. Um, I've been riding the roller coaster that was 2020 to thankfully arrive here in 2021 and can't wait to see what's in store. Um, The last year has been full of amazing experiences and lessons, so I'm really excited to share them with you.
0: Yes, and before we get started, I believe you are currently sitting somewhere completely different, not the northeast at all. Uh, where are you?
1: So, I'm lucky enough to be in um, Mustique in the Caribbean at the moment, which I'm feeling very grateful for. <laughs> <So. Yeah. laughs>
0: Scene one. A vision at the foothills of Cerro de Tarra, To live healthily requires time. Time is something we normally don't have. When given the choice of cooking a healthy meal from fresh ingredients or getting takeaways, many of us opt for the latter. Or when we can choose between an hour of exercise or watching an episode of our favorite series, the latter might seem more rewarding, especially after a long day's work. You started your professional journey as a personal trainer The concept of helping others therefore make the right choices to be healthier seems to be at the forefront of what you do. What early life experience sparked your interest in wellness?
1: So I've always really been into um sport and generally being active and outdoors. Um I think as a child I probably spent most of my childhood outdoors because we I grew up on a farm. So that's always been very much a part of me and I've played so much sport during my childhood and then went on to horse ride for Great Britain. So During that process, I started to learn more about performance and wellness and this sort of cross-sectional approach to health and well-being and how it impacted your body, firstly, on a performance-based level, I think, to begin with. And then as that sort of developed and grown, it's changed into a lifestyle thing as well.
0: I see. That's really interesting. So where did you grow up, just to know? So I
1: grew up in Wensleydale, famous Mm -hmm. for its Um, wonderful cheese. (laughs) I know I had
0: a lot of that cheese over Christmas. (laughs) Like literally, just finished the one of the cheddars, the rich (laughs) creamy
1: (laughs) 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 cheddar. We actually supply the um, Wensleydale Creamery with milk from the farm that I grew up on. So um, that's our little claim to fame. (laughs) And then, any
0: particular sports that you
1: really enjoyed? Because
0: I'm also into that and I've done quite a few different things I still do quite a few different things
1: I think my favorite thing other than horse riding was playing badminton play loads of that I did hockey cross country squash just whatever I could really (laughs) that was the whole reason I went to school to do PE and sport
0: (laughs) so I mean all of this your interest in sport and the the whole process of obviously being able to perform and having to live healthily to be able to do that sparked your interest in wellness would you describe your childhood as generally being one where healthy loving was important or were you kind of like the exception um,
1: I think my family as a whole we're all very active and you know my parents did a lot of sport and I think because we are well they are still so active I am um, eating well and looking after yourself has always been important because having a physical job on the farm or doing whatever you're doing requires you to be fit and well. So I think having a healthy relationship with food from an early stage was definitely always going to happen. And then it's sort of, yeah, evolved as I've sort of gone on my journey down this different route. But yeah, we were always pretty healthy growing up.
0: And then can you give us a glimpse of that moment when a younger Jodie decided to become a PT?
1: So from school, I went into horse riding full time. I did um, a month of my A-levels and then decided that really wasn't for me. And that I wanted to focus on my mm-hmm. horse riding so that I could try and get my place on the GB team which I did manage to do and had the best time ever learned so much from doing that. And anyone who has horses will tell you that they are great levelers um, and teach you to take the, the lows with the highs and go with it. So after doing that, and getting where I wanted to go with it, I sort of stepped back and looked at the bigger picture and thought, you know what, actually, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Because there was a lot of people that were still doing it, at, you know, 50, 60, and still had this dream of getting on the Olympic team or whatever, and they weren't there. And I just thought, you know what, I don't want to get 20 years down the line and think, oh, was this right? the right career path? So... It was really hard to sort of give up the riding. Um, I had 15 horses, I think, at our busiest time that belonged to other people and myself. So they all had to go to uh, new homes and things, which was really sad. And then I did, after that, feel quite lost because I think having not done my A-levels or being someone who was particularly interested in academic routes I sort of had to think, what am I actually good at? Because riding was my only thing. So, yeah, I found myself in this bit of a rut. But when I was riding, I was doing quite a lot of teaching as well. So, um, helping other people with their horses. And I really enjoyed that. It was very rewarding. So I thought, actually, my love of sport and everything that I've learned over the last few years with I was on a program similar to the world class one. So we had access to personal trainers, nutritionists and psychologists as well. So I sort of thought, actually, I'm going to combine my love of teaching with this sort of new knowledge that I've acquired over the last few years and, and go on to this sort of new journey as a personal trainer, which was it was nice to sort of arrive at that point and feel like, actually, I know where I want to go now because there was quite a long period where I didn't at all. Yes,
0: I see. And then just from an academic point of view, did you have any particular other subjects that you found interesting or was it
1: kind of you just focused on the... Um, the- Like, in my GCSEs, I didn't... I was really not, I didn't really revise for any of my other Mm. subjects, but I did for PE and I got, like, 100% in my theory and my practical with that, because I'm very much... Like, if I want to do well, it's one thing I will put my heart and soul into it and that was what I did then which you know in the grand scheme of things you think oh maybe I should have been a bit more um try hard with other stuff I never did particularly badly yeah. with them but I just did not put 100% effort in, that's for sure
0: yeah these realizations <laughs> always come like much later in your life I mean I've got so many different things where I'm yeah. like oh I should have paid more attention or I should have done that or I should have taken that subject and then just didn't at the time but you make the most of it So obviously with such a passion for PE and deciding you wanted to become a PT, perhaps you've already become a PT at this stage. You wanted to start your own gym. Now I've got a very strong interest in fitness as well. And it's fascinating just, I know it's a very saturated industry. So what stopped you and and can you share some of your experiences of the industry itself?
1: Yeah, of course. So I think, yeah, when I set out on my personal training journey, whatever I do, I suppose I'm always looking at the bigger goal that I want to arrive at. And for me, I thought that that would be owning your own gym because I very much, I'd never want to work for somebody else. I like doing my own thing. So I thought, you know, that's that's the goal. And to do that, I wanted to get as much experience as possible, train interesting people and also go and work at a couple of places that I knew I could learn from. So somewhere I'd actually when I first set off as a personal trainer I'd sort of been following a few people and one of them was a guy called Matt Roberts who owns a few gyms in London and sort of famed for training celebrities and David Cameron and stuff. So I thought like right okay that's the kind of goal that's where you want to be training those people and I was Scrolling through Instagram one day, sat between clients and I saw a job opening there on a whim. I applied for it. And within about half an hour of sending my application, I got a phone call asking to go for an interview, which kind of threw me quite a lot because I was living in Yorkshire, a boyfriend of what we've been together about four, three, four mm. years, living together, and it was kind of like, oh um right I've just applied for a job in London and I don't actually know how this is going to work okay um so I went down for the interview which was really surreal because having I visited London and you know, mm-hmm. spent weekends there, but then the thought of living there was quite yeah. exciting. So I went down on the train, went for the interview at this really swanky Mayfair mm-hmm. gym and afterwards got offered a job, which was really cool. So I took the opportunity and I always think, you know, if an opportunity presents itself you've got to take it you know you can always say actually no this isn't for me and go back to what you're doing but if you haven't taken that chance then you don't know what you've missed so um so yeah I moved down there and worked in this gym which was really cool and the people there were amazing but I think surrounding myself in the sort of very hard and fast fitness industry in London and seeing how those gyms operate made me very aware that it was an incredibly saturated place and you had to be doing something very different to get people through the door and keep yeah. them and I did a summer down there and it was the best I had so much fun and learned a lot about myself about life and also about fitness and and health because I think the clients there were very different to the ones that I'd had at home so it great gave me a great amount of knowledge. And in what way were they different? I think my clients at home I, I used to go to their house and train them and even you know a lot of them ran their own businesses and things like that um, and were very driven but the people that were operating out of this hub in Mayfair were very work hard play hard and it was a different culture very interesting and eclectic mix of people from all sorts of weird and wonderful places which was which was great um and all very nice met some really lovely people but yeah so after that I came back to Yorkshire and got a job as um an assistant manager at a gym because I thought okay done the PT role let's try and combine that with a bit of more uh, managerial role just to see what's going on in that respect and again I, I thought you know actually I don't want to manage a gym that's not going to be for me um so I think oh my dad's always like oh you never stick no. at anything but I always look at it as you know you're on this constant journey evolving as a person working out what you like and where you want to be and that's never for me I don't think I'd ever want that to stop so so then I arrived at the point where I thought I need more than just being a personal trainer I need something else behind me so decided to go to side Uni to study nutrition mm. so mm. that's where I sort of then came into this
0: foodie yes. world and yeah yeah <laughs> I mean this was really fascinating your whole journey and I think sometimes it's when you have those different experiences that you actually learn more about yourself. So if you allow yourself to take those opportunities and not shy away from them, you can actually discover a lot more about life than simply, for example, staying in the same job or in the same place the whole time. Now, you also ran wellness retreats in the foothills of the the Serra de Montana Mountains of Mallorca, which I saw on Instagram. And you seem to have fond memories of these retreats in which you sought to recreate the ultimate wellness experience. So can you tell us more about these retreats, just where they fit into the whole picture and what happened next? So studying nutrition at university, what crossroad exactly led you to start My Breakfast Box?
1: Yeah, so um, the retreats were a lot of fun and slightly self-indulgent because I wanted to be able to do fitness things abroad. Um, so I ran two retreats in Portugal and then two in Mallorca and Mallorca was definitely my favourite. That was really yeah. good fun and had some really interesting people come. The first couple were more with clients that I already have that were quite keen to also get them. In, into the sunshine, stick some exercise. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, I sort of wanted to create something on these retreats that was a sort of culmination of everything that I was passionate about and not just fitness. So obviously, the nutrition came into it, and I took um, a chef out there who's a very good friend of mine, and we really made the food a massive Thing because that's so important and then we had some holistic treatments from people that had been recommended in the area and then we did loads of mindfulness exercises just to try and use the the week that people were there to just help them reset and find a different level of themselves that they might not have known was there and it was really interesting to see when you bring you know six seven people into a house together to say right, you're here for yourselves, leave whatever's at home, leave it there. It was really amazing to see the connections and friendships that developed over that week. You know, people had a good old cry if they needed to, and sort of started to think about life from a slightly different route, which was, and it was always surprising for me to see just quite how much that happened but everyone was there for the same reason and supported each other on on those journeys so they were really special and i would love to do actually some of them again because they were a lot of fun and like i said it's a little bit self-indulgent because who wouldn't want to spend a week working (laughs) um in they (laughs) sound
0: really really great and it was lovely the pictures that you posted scene two a time machine to health and fulfillment So what happened next? What is that crossroad that led you to start my breakfast box?
1: Yeah, uh, whilst I was running these retreats and still working as a PT, I was doing my nutrition degree. And I'd actually, I'd been listening to um, these conversations of inspiration. I don't know whether you've come across the podcast with Holly Tucker, who founded Not on the High Street. There's a lot of people talking about their journey starting a business and things like that. And it really got me thinking what I would like to do moving forward. And I'd been making um, my own granola for quite a long time. And I'd run various sort of breakfast and yoga events and obviously the retreats where we'd had the granola on them. And it, it always went down really well. And I sort of thought, actually it's really hard to go out and buy a good quality yeah. granola that is low in sugar, but I absolutely love breakfast cereal. So I started um, making that and we did, it was a little Christmas market it was the first ever one that I sold it at and we sold out, which was really mm-hmm. cool. and Sort of reinforced that people did like the product and that actually this, there could be something in it. So I went to see the team at Launchpad at Teesside Uni, which is like an incubator program and support network for people who would like to start their own business. And they're really good in that they will give you a bit of framework to try and pull the idea together and refine it a little bit, which I think because when you've got a business idea, you're like, oh, this could be great. And you start running all these thoughts through your head of how big and amazing it can be. But actually to put it into a sort of, actual business plan and really get your head around it at an early stage is very important yes, um, that's true. so they helped me yeah so they helped me do that which was great and um and then from there I started making more of the products and then got um a space in the launch pad building that they amazingly made into a kitchen for me which was just incredible because any foodie business, the main challenge when you're starting out is having somewhere to do it from. No, it's normally your your home kitchen, which is not ideal in some cases. Exactly. And to have it all approved for hygiene and everything mm-hmm. was just it was amazing to be able to do that. And I'm so grateful. And I I know now they've just redone the launch pad building mm-hmm. and they're putting a community bakery in the space that I was in and they've just revamped it all and it looks incredible. So I'm quite <laughs> jealous actually. <laughs> but yeah, so I started making it more there and looking at the different routes with that, I think, because ultimately I had one product and I needed to find a place for it and I did a lot more research after quite I suppose quite a frank and harsh conversation with someone who advises on scaling businesses and she was like you know what yeah you, you've got granola but so there's so is everyone else on the supermarket aisle yeah. you know what's your point of difference and I said oh well, you know it's low sugar and she's like well yeah so what anyone can make a low sugar mm-hmm. granola and I was like oh well right okay that's quite harsh um and there were a few moments where I thought oh god I don't know what I'm doing I don't I don't have a product um and then I sort of picked myself off the floor Mm -hmm. after being a bit sulky about it and um I was actually listening to I think it's an audio book as opposed to a podcast called subscribed Mm -hmm. and it was about consumer behavior and the way the world is going and it was really Mm -hmm. interesting and it sort of got me thinking about the the foodie space with subscription businesses and obviously think they're growing massively at the moment so like Mindful Chef they've just been acquired by Nestle, Grey's huge and they've just been sold well not just they they were sold to Unilever and all these businesses that were really sort of getting some amazing traction but all on a subscription mm-hmm. model and there was one that was really leading the way with breakfast so I thought you know that could be my okay. space, right? And it would allow me to um, create some more products yes. and do the, the fun things that I enjoy, and also not have to particularly deal with supermarkets mm-hmm. because everyone knows that they are particularly in it for themselves yeah. and don't really want to support the the suppliers particularly, even though they may claim to. Okay. So I decided that actually the subscription model would be quite effective.
0: Yes. I mean, it's so true what you said about that moment when you have to define exactly what makes you different, what sets you apart, why will people choose your product above something else that could seem similar. And I think that's also just part of the entrepreneurial journey. I mean, I've gone through it myself, just having to set up a business plan, thinking about um, exactly what I have to offer people and so forth. So breakfast as a meal itself is probably one of the most debated meals of the day. And on the one hand, people simply don't have time for a leisurely breakfast. They don't want to sit down, spend time because they're rushing. They perhaps need to drop the kids off at school or they need to go to work or whatever it is. On the other hand, with the rise in popularity of intermittent fasting, and I have no idea what your opinion is on this, the exact when and what of breakfast have become rather blurry. So, just before we delve a little bit deeper into the next stage of my breakfast box, so after you've come up with the idea for subscription, do you
1: think breakfast is important? Hi. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think I'd be, um, yeah, I think I'd need to get my coat and leave my office if I said <laughs> yeah. it wasn't. Um, being on that personal training journey and seeing how clients struggle with mm. breakfast and also how much better people perform during their day, both mentally and physically, having had a good breakfast, it was the ultimate thing for me is to create these products that are going to set people up for the best day. And I know myself that whatever I eat on a morning is sort of a total reflection of how my day is going to go. And also, I think, obviously, I know intermittent fasting works for people and it's, you know, it's totally a personal thing. But even if you're eating breakfast later in the day, like lunchtime, like I've had a go into fasting myself. The actual products and ingredients that are in breakfast are a great opportunity to work towards getting your fiber goals each day because all, like, all of our products are really high in fiber, yes. um, which is something that's really underestimated. Um, and also getting plenty of unsaturated fats from things like nuts and seeds, some plant protein, whether you're having it with, with plant yogurt or anything like that but all of our products have quite a lot of protein in them as well so it's this opportunity to give your body these nutrients that are going to make you feel good and for a long period of time as well Mm -hmm. you know the lasting effects of having a consistent healthy diet and not going to help you just on the short term it's going to be a long-term thing as well and and creating these healthy habits that that you are trying to nourish your body and support mm-hmm. it as opposed to looking at it as a oh I need to lose weight I you know I need to look like this you know that's important to me I want to feel good in my clothes I want to feel like I look good but I also know that if I feel fit and strong and I've got lots of energy that makes me feel even better. And for me, the key to that is how you start your day. So, having the best breakfast is, you know, to me, the ultimate answer. Okay, to
0: you mentioned a couple of interesting points there. So, uh, first of all, what is your take on intermittent fasting? What did you feel while you were doing that? Because it's something I've experimented with a lot. And I think the fact is, we're all different and we all have like different requirements for energy and so forth. And so what did you experience
1: while you tried it? So I had a go whilst I was um, still doing my personal mm-hmm. training and I was having a lot of really early starts. So I'd sort of usually be getting off, not really early, but like five most mornings. So to then sort of function and have to be sociable with clients and, um, and generally active, get to work and be on the ball, um, I just was so hungry until when I started eating at 12 or whatever the gap was that I just thought you know what this is not benefiting me and then I felt like I was eating more in that window that you that you do eat um yeah. than then I should have been on a normal sort of diet so for me it didn't suit my lifestyle and my body yeah. particularly perhaps if I'd stuck at it longer than maybe but I didn't really want to I felt better having breakfast so I decided to go back to that but I don't know did you find it more beneficial than having breakfast?
0: Well for me it was the same thing I just found myself being generally it it just depended on the day it depended on what I had to do but so I could sometimes just be less productive in the morning when I before I had something to eat especially when I had to go somewhere interact with like clients, or into do podcast recordings, or filming, or <laughs> something like that. That just requires a lot of thinking and just being present. Yeah. So, but it just it makes such a difference to your day if you just have something that is. And that you mentioned this, it's it's the nutrition that you get that really makes it last so you're not like hungry in an hour's time so also the flip side of it if you just have an apple (laughs) I've had breakfast yeah it's not perhaps going to uh, sustain you as long and that was the other question I had well we're going to get to the exact contents of your breakfast and how they're different to what we find in supermarkets but you mentioned protein what are the main sources of protein
1: So in all our products, um, we only use plant-based ingredients. So the the protein comes from nuts and seeds. So the granola has loads of almonds, pecans, hazelnuts, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, and things like that. And then the porridge, it's more about chia seeds, flax seed. Um, we use some ground nuts as well, um, and some toasted ones okay. in there to give texture yeah. and flavor, but also, like I said, work towards this sort of more balanced breakfast cereal. A lot of the mm-hmm. ones that you find on the shelves are very sort of. Carbohydrate heavy and not a lot else in them. And I wanted these to provide a solution for that if you're yeah. looking to stay full up longer and just generally fill your body with a bit mm. more substance.
0: Yeah. So, talking about the cereals that we find in the supermarket, obviously, when we walk down, it's this kind of colorful aisle where you have your feel good childhood cereals, you know, the Rice Krispies, Cocoa Pops, Cheerios, the ones that practically do nothing. For you, um, except make you feel good for <laughs> that moment when you eat it, and the healthier adult options, the muesli variants and oats, which that's quite tricky because they contain or often contain lots of sugar. This could be because of dried fruits, raisins, and sometimes honey, maple syrup, and other ingredients. If you had to perhaps summarize, what's the main difference between what you offer and what we buy in the shops? So why should somebody? kind of like say okay well I want to subscribe I want to get this breakfast every day
1: yeah of course so um if we look at the granola all of ours Mm -hmm. are low sugar and refined sugar free so I know there's some on the shelves that are low sugar as well but they contain things like black treacle and what have you which kind of I don't think that's Mm -hmm. necessary so um we use a tiny bit of maple syrup in the granola to make it a little bit sweet, but also other ingredients like cinnamon in one of them helps give us a bit of natural sweetness and a little bit of coconut oil, things like that. So the recipes have all been really carefully developed to make sure that they're minimal sugar but still taste amazing because no one wants to eat. Um, like some of these muesli options, they just literally taste like horse food. That is not what healthy eating's about, and I don't think you should ever be sacrificing your enjoyment of food for health so we've worked really hard to create these products that have the right texture the right flavor um and we use things like Mm freeze-dried fruit in them so they've never had more sugar added to them they've still got some sort of quite good nutrient content as well um and they also offer amazing flavor um like we have One of our best sellers is a berry and beet porridge and that's got freeze-dried raspberry in and it tastes so Mm -hmm. vibrant that it tastes like it's got fresh raspberries in it. That's amazing. I'm very careful in particular about the ingredients that go in because I think ultimately, would I want to put that in my body? Will it make me feel good? Mm -hmm. And will that then translate to other people? So yeah, there's a lot of boxes to tick when we're creating the products.
0: So because I've never actually received this product myself because it's a subscription thing it's not something you can just go out and buy I mean I'm because I love breakfast I just love cereal especially like oats and I've made I've made my own granola as well I've experimented with everything literally everything so I am absolutely am to try this breakfast cereal but to give listeners an idea of what they'll receive so they've subscribed is it just a box with the cereal inside do you offer suggestions
1: yeah so, so basically, you have the option to build your own customized box. So we have between fifteen and twenty products um, that are available. So some porridge, some granola, and some high protein muesli, and these are generally in single serving sachets. So they're like pre portioned, so that you know that you're eating. The right amount it's nice and balanced because i think one thing with porridge mm. is we all tend to eat yeah. way too much of it and then feel a bit sluggish yeah. afterwards so they're all pre-portioned and easy and it also saves a bit of time on a morning and when office life resumes then um there's something that can go to work as well but yeah so you can choose between having five servings 10 servings or 20 in your box and then you pick the exact products you want in there And then also the frequency of delivery. So if you want 20 servings once a month, you can do that. Or if you want 20 servings once a week, you can have that if you're really having breakfast for every meal or whatever. (laughs) so It's totally customizable. And you can also like chop and change at any point which products are in there. So if it, you know, coming out of winter and you think, oh, I don't want as much porridge in there, you can swap it out for some granola and muesli. Um, And it's very much a personal box to you because when I first launched I couldn't do that with the with the website that we had and that really frustrated me because I thought you know, if that was me, I want to know what's going in the box mm-hmm. and it's got to be my breakfast box because that's the whole point. So I've managed to get to that point now where our website and the tech side of it allows for that, which is really nice. And it means that people can make it a very personal mm-hmm. breakfast experience as opposed to a generic one where you're picking up a box of cereal in the yeah. supermarket and stuck with that cereal for however long and, and what yes. have you.
0: Well, that's amazing because I was just thinking. Even for people who say they've got a different kind of working schedule, so they've got shifts or they perhaps w- do their main hours in the evening, like, well, in the hospitality industry, it could be a, a healthier option for them too, whether they need to eat something just before their shift or right after, which sometimes happens. And then it's normally takeaway pizza or something. That's not very good.
1: So yeah, exactly. And <laughs> then we've been, um, we we sent some goodies to one of the hospitals because the, the nurses there—they were saying like granola during the day is something that really mm. keeps them going. So if it's a healthy yeah. one, then oh, amazing. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, I it's not just for breakfast.
0: Yeah. So just back to the the kind of professional journey, the the business development side of things. So you got your business concept in place, which largely happened during your time studying nutrition at university, as you explained how did you go about getting the funding and i think you mentioned that you you applied for this
1: yeah so um most of it i've self-funded um whilst i was was launching it all i was still doing my personal training so kind of any money i was making with that went into yeah. setting the business up and ultimately keeping it going till it starts to be profitable but I was lucky enough to get a grant from the a programme that I did during the summer two years ago at uni. So it was this amazing sort of accelerator programme that that's run through Launchpad um called Fuel. And at the end of it you had the opportunity to pitch for some money and I I was so, so lucky that I was able to get some from that because it really helps sort of take the business to this next little stage. There's all the time these stepping stones and, and sometimes it's, you know, it's having the guidance, sometimes it's having facilities, but sometimes it's also having some money to put into it um and that really helped me th- to do that which was which was lucky and now we're at the stage where we're trying to go through our first round of investment and get oh, some are? angels on okay. board to take yeah to take it to that mm-hmm. next step which is you know it's exciting but it's another learning oh, yeah. curve for me and yeah hopefully it will uh, help us get to the next stage and uh do you ship throughout the
0: uk are you just uk based at the moment
1: yeah so just you can at the moment um but the plan i think america and australia mm-hmm. would be two places that i'd really like to take it and i think it would be quite well received in those places as well yeah, um, so that's that's where i'd like to see it go and on um you know being quite indulgent it would be nice to go and spend some time in those places as well of course everybody needs breakfast <laughs> yeah exactly
0: Scene three, the game plan. So I think for many of us, we've realized there is no time machine to consistent good health and even fulfillment in life. It's something you have to work at the whole time and it all comes down to our choices. So the earlier we start making the right choices, the longer we'll be able to benefit from them. What is the hardest decision you made that changed your life? For the better.
1: Yeah, for the better. Um, I think, I know I, s- I said when I stopped horse riding that I found myself in this real rut, and and it really was. Um, I think because I'd had so much structure and drive, I then found myself having none of that and really ended up resenting myself as a person for that and feeling quite useless. And I went to get some help with that from she's a, an MLP therapist, neurolinguistic psychotherapist, I think I probably said that wrong. Anyway. Um, so she really helps me change my outlook on life and myself and how you cope with other people and the challenges that you face with life. And whether that's with work or on a personal level, having those tools was very much a life-changing experience and so, sort of helps me when I'm in a tricky situation to then step back, step out of that place and think, okay, actually, no, the world isn't ending. It's okay. And if people are being difficult and and what have you, it's it's this way of being like, actually, no, it's not your fault. It's not your problem. That's their way of dealing with whatever they're mm-hmm. going through. And it's just a symptom of their issues. So you, you can look at it like that which has been so useful for everything I've done whether it's been the personal yeah. training starting the business and, and what have you I think having you know closed that door with the riding and feeling quite lost to then opening new ones through this sort of new outlook was the sort of best decision It's very hard but it was it was worth yes.
0: it I definitely think that when there's like a major change in your life uh, especially when it's perhaps not something that you that you wanted that was your choice entirely you can have this feeling of what now I've I've practically lost my purpose so but it's usually during those times that you can find a new purpose one that's even more fulfilling than the previous one
1: yeah hopefully
0: so one thing that did struck me and this is kind of how I came across you it was on Instagram and it's your very colorful and (laughs) mouth-watering photos of what you you offer but you also share some health and fitness tips so it's a very what can you say diverse account you help followers raise their game in particular so it's not just through the nutrition side of things but also through how they live and how they think what does the phrase raise your game
1: mean to you um I think it's something that sort of resonates with me because I'm always looking at you know how can I you know raise my game and to me that means both personally and professionally how can I get to the next stage and how can I bring more fulfillment into my life so I think I'm bad for doing it as well but one of the common things is to constantly be looking at the The goal that you're at and not looking at the journey that you're on which sounds like it was off an Instagram post doesn't it but um I think think being able to sort of lift lift your game and do what you want to do and be very true to that and whether that be with your health and fitness whether it be with work it's sort of got to come from this cross-sectional approach with your health and wellness and if you've got the the energy and the ability to sort of keep going and pushing on and feeling good then you can take it on whatever route you want to go down um and i sort of always think that if our social media can provide these little tips and tricks and ways to help people enhance whatever they're doing whether it be through the food they're eating the way they're moving or the way they're thinking a little contribution from us can be something that is hopefully quite helpful because it is about all of these things it's not just one I know when I first started personal training there's a lot of people are like oh I just want to do you know an hour of fitness a week which is fine if you want to do that but you need to think about every other little element um in your life that you know if you can improve one little bit of it in every section then it's going to have a much bigger effect than just nailing it with fitness but actually your mental health is at rock bottom or yeah. you're not eating right and then you just feel rubbish so yeah it's, it's trying to help people with all these little elements and pull it together a bit more
0: yeah i think that's fantastic because not everybody actually does that with their instagram accounts especially when you've got like a for example a product that you you sell or whatever it is that you offer to people is actually just also giving them some other tools to use in their life besides well the thing that they perhaps buy from you or um, yeah yes so what is one thing we can all do now to raise our game
1: one little exercise that i think is really cool to do is there's a there's a thing called a wheel of life which Mm -hmm. You Google that, you'll find this wheel with all these little segments in it that are representing the areas of your life. So whether it's friendship, health, fitness, career, money, mental health, it has all these sections in it. And it asks you to mark on it out of 10 where you think you are. And it's quite a nice visual display of the bits in your life that you would like to improve so I think if you can have a little go at that and sort of step back and think oh actually um you know what I'm not as happy with you know my friendships as I am with my nutrition and my fitness what can I do to bump that one up a little bit and and breaking it down into these small chunks makes it much more approachable to you know, just thinking, I'm having having a massive life overhaul because actually, it's quite a nice exercise to think what you are doing well and what you're really grateful for, but also how you can improve these little bits to contribute to this bigger picture.
0: Yes, I'll, I'm I'm going to have a go at that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, do.
0: And then lastly, given our addiction to seemingly harmless substances like refined sugar and saturated fats, how can each of us contribute to a healthier future
1: of both the planet and ourselves? Again, I think it's these little steps that are really useful. So whether it's um, looking at maybe having a, a couple of days where you try and avoid things like refined sugar or you make a few swaps like i i do have a sweet tooth so mm-hmm.
0: um Me
1: too. <laughs> yeah. so um trying to make some little swaps so that you know you still enjoy some cake on the weekend or whatever but during the week you can actually swap in for some better alternatives and then little things like looking at referring to the health of the planet and and things like that i did a, a year of trying to do plastic free food shopping and that created some really interesting um revelations for me uh, so basically yeah just trying to find all the food products that we used with with no plastic which was really hard but even having a go at doing one shop where you do plastic free for for a week or something um it's quite an interesting little exercise so i don't think it necessarily always has to be health related but it, if it creates some healthy habits and gets you thinking a little bit more about your food where it comes from and the connection it has with you as a person then that's going to create some longer term impacts that are more beneficial than just trying to do you know a detox or whatever um yeah. I won't rant about detoxes, but
0: um <laughs> <laughs> it's a very complicated topic, and people are always yeah. like, oh, "I'm just going to do a detox, and everything will be fine." <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like well, you've had an incredible journey, and uh, thank you for joining me today and, and sharing it. So, where can people find out more about my breakfast box and anything else you have
1: to offer? Yeah, so um, come and say hello on social media. So it's mybreakfastboxuk on Instagram um, or head to the website, which again, it's just mybreakfastbox.co.uk and you can find more about the products, more about what we're doing and all of these are the little things that we're up to, whether you're looking for some recipes and uh, some health tips, you can find it all on there. But yeah, just come and say hello, ask some questions. It's always nice to see some new faces popping up on our social media. Okay, Brilliant.
0: And then before we go, my favourite questions, questions—quick fire questions, but feel free to elaborate as much as possible just so that listeners can get to know you better. What is the most recent film, series you watched, podcast you listened to or book you read?
1: And so I mentioned them earlier, the Conversations of Inspiration with Holly Tucker, are my go-to podcasts. There's always some really interesting mm-hmm. people on there. Um, and if you're feeling like a bit unmotivated and a bit rubbish listen to some of those stories and it'll pick you up and give you a bit of a kick up the bum okay
0: uh what important truth do very few
1: people agree with you on so this is a really hard one i wasn't really sure what to um what, what here um i think it's probably not one that people would sort of i don't know it's probably not quite the answer to your question but i do i am a great believer in that the the people you surround yourself with you sort of become a product of so it's really important that you make sure those people are the right ones and if you haven't got the right ones around you then find them um, and bring them into your life mm-hmm. because they will make you a better person and um, if you can do that that's very true and tell us about
0: how you o- overcame the most challenging time in your life one thing you
1: did um, I think um, sort of referring back to the last question, bringing someone into my life that would help me change my mindset and my outlook on life. You know, I've had someone more recently helping me who's a bit of a, a life slash business coach, and that has been again another life changing experience, a, a very challenging time for me. So, yeah, bring someone into your life and and don't go it alone if you're feeling a bit scared or alone, bring someone in that you need some help from.
0: That's amazing because sometimes we're so, we tend to just want to go at it by ourselves, just overcome everything and, you know, conquer the world and instead of actually just reaching out and asking for help. What is your favorite travel destination and why?
1: Um, I think it has to be Mustique. <laughs> <laughs> Where you are. Um, yeah, no, I've been looking to from here with a client who I've trained For quite a lot of years now actually personal training and I've been out here before and it's just the most wonderful place and it's full of people that are just really happy to be here and very kind and it's quite magical
0: okay and then just to wrap things up what advice would you give to someone wishing to start a career either as a personal trainer or a nutritionist
1: um be prepared to listen to everybody's um deepest darkest secrets and and do more than personal training in terms of you end up being a bit of a a coach to people um mentally i think it's probably like hairdressers when you spend an hour with somebody you you want to offload all of your worries and And issues. And when I first started personal training, my cousin, who's a personal trainer, said to me, he's like, oh, you you will feel like you become a bit of a counsellor. And I thought, oh, all right, okay, whatever. And then um, actually, yeah, you build this really nice relationship with people. And I think you've got to be prepared to let it be more than just a job. It's very much you are going into someone's life to help change it for the better. And whether that's through fitness or nutrition you end up looking at the other areas of their life with them and going on that journey alongside them.
0: Okay. Thank you for sharing that advice. Thanks for listening to the show. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this narrative journey, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Remember, you can also find us on social media, all platforms and YouTube. Simply search for at regeneration studio or at regeneration cat. If you have Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a rating and review. We appreciate your feedback and it helps more people find this podcast and helps us share these amazing stories of difficult roads and beautiful destinations. Stories that could perhaps make a small difference in someone else's life. Join me next time for more narrative journeys into creative business ideas.